Welcome to the BDSI Entrepreneurs Podcast, the show where we talk about the challenges business owners face every day. We'll share the insights and tools you need to define your business strategy, better manage your teams, and mitigate any risks standing in the way of your success. I'm your host, Lauren Gelfand, Director of Marketing and Communications at BDSI. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we're speaking to Terry Carter, BDSI's new Director of Human Resources and a seasoned industry professional about HR trends that we're looking at in 2023. Terry, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Well, we're very excited to have you here today. I know that you have an extensive experience in the area of human resources. Will you tell us a little bit about your past? Sure, sure. I started, you know, several years ago in a retail environment working in merchandising and quickly found my passion in what was then called personnel, which eventually transitioned to human resources. And I've spent my entire career working with our human resources in different aspects of business in many different industries. Most recently, BBSI, I've been here for 13 years, and I started working in the field on a service team as a human resources consultant working with small to medium-sized business clients and transitioned into a business partner role with BBSI, which is more of a lead role of the service team continually to work with businesses that are small to medium-sized in all different kinds of industries, in all areas related to their human capital, and specifically to business issues that sometimes our small business and medium-sized business owners do not have the opportunity to discuss or explore. I made the move to this role here in January of 2023 after having that 13-year career working directly with the businesses. So here we are today. Here we are today. Well, that's wonderful. We're very excited to have you in this role. And I mean, just such a plethora of experience with a variety of different businesses, I think is fantastic. So keeping that in mind, we know that we're here to talk about the human resource trends for 2023. And we'll go back a year to 2022, which just finished up. And I feel like 2022 was quite a transformational year in terms of the evolution of the workplace and the way the talent landscape looks. You know, we emerged from this global pandemic, seemed to shake up all those traditional work foundations. I mean, everything from remote and hybrid work becoming normalized to talent landscape becoming scarce and more selective to trends like quiet quitting and others. What were some of the major trends that you saw emerge throughout the year last year? You know, it's interesting what you said about the pandemic because it was such a defining piece of human capital management for all businesses. And I think one of the biggest things that we saw is how to continue to attract, retain, and elevate the workforce that you have. So no matter what the industry, whether it's a a small business plumbing client who was facing other issues related to their industry and trying to keep people employed during that time to even businesses, you know, law firms that we support or Um, financial planning companies that we support, they all had similar issues with regard to what the labor force looked like. We saw a lot of employees choosing to not return either to their industry or to just work in general. How that impacts particularly small to medium-sized businesses is, is they have fewer employees to choose from and fewer employees to work with. And so we saw a lot of 
transition between roles, a lot of cross-training, and a lot of really headaches regarding just labor pool and finding qualified workers that were willing and able to come back to work, particularly full-time and not necessarily into what we now know as the hybrid model or the remote work model. Some of our businesses are just not in a, in a position to offer those kinds of roles. And so we saw a lot of confusion, a lot of requests for ideas and solutions, really, in how do I, how do I make this work given the economy that I've been dealt and the geography that I'm living in and you know what I'm dealing with with the labor pool here. The other thing that we saw in 2022 is a lot of business owners making what I call big decisions. This is coming out again of the pandemic. And really, I think there's been a lot of communication about everybody's sort of self-reflection, you know, during this period. There was a lot of, you know, shelters in place where we were working from home or or not working and we were at home and a lot of reflection on what do I want my life to really be like. And it forced us to look internally and make some decisions. So I had the opportunity to work with several business owners who entered 2022 saying, I thought I wanted to stay in this business for 10 to 15 more years. I thought I was going to die here, essentially, work until I dropped, those kinds of phrases. But I now want a transition plan and I want to get out of here. How do I do that? So we saw just a lot of self-reflection. How do I want this company to be going forward? How do I work in this new environment that is, is sort of being forced upon us in terms of the flexibility that I need to offer um, and sort of go outside of the culture in which I've created. I just think so much about how difficult those decisions are to make for a small business owner that maybe has had the business for 30, 40 years. Maybe they're even new to the business and didn't realize the challenges that were coming in this year. And a lot of our owners that we talk to just sort of are there to make decisions on their own. They don't have somebody to rely upon, a trusted confidant, a partner, that's out there. I think it's it's so amazing that you were able to be there and to help guide them through it, whatever that direction may be. I mean, there's a number of different paths they could take, but those big decisions, you know, combined with what we're staring down now for 2023, I think a lot of those issues, those trends will continue into 2023. Are you seeing similar comments from the owners that you're talking to now? Absolutely. And, and you're right on. So, you know, we, we've always known that human resource trends follow what's happening in our world. You know, these are people that are working at jobs, different companies, and we're influenced by politics, socioeconomic factors, legislative activity, COVID. What we're dealing with day to day in our society impacts what we see in human resource trends. And the only difference I see in 2023 is that we're having a more intentional conversation about these factors. Whereas in the past, I would often hear business owners say, well, that doesn't really apply to me. I'm a small business or that doesn't apply to me. I'm a family owned business. And what they're seeing is that these things do apply to them. And the key is, how does it apply? How do I make my business successful, continue to be successful, either working in my business or transitioning out of my business and have this be a a great place to work for the employees. So even those that are making those big decisions, the focus is on understanding that they are supporting families 
and their employees, although they are, of course, you know, doing the work for that business that is revenue generating, the bottom line is these are people who have families and I want to make sure that, that there's a plan for them. So it's really just about that sort of intentional, purposeful work that assures that there's, you know, a new generation of workers going forward. I feel like that's sort of a new concept to bring in the idea of the employee as the whole person, not just who they are at work, but who they are outside of work, what their hobbies are, what their family situation is, without being too intrusive in terms of privacy or prying, but thinking about your employees, whether they work on a line or sit behind a desk or work in an office on the top floor, thinking about how to make sure that they are excited to come to the office, that it fits with their idea of work and their idea of a successful career. You also hit on the topic of being a great place to work. And I feel like for me, that is one of the largest overarching HR trends that I see affecting businesses now in 2023. How do you make a workplace a great place to work? Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, what's really amazing about the business owners that I've had the pleasure of working with is they all bring their own unique flavor to what they want their workplace to be. And in many cases, a majority of cases, it's intentional. It's, I I want this to be an amazing place to work. I want to offer what I can. I know you've talked to some other folks about benefits, for example, on an earlier podcast. And one of those trends that I see is this whole work-life balance. And, And you can call it what you want, but it's really about flexibility and having the offerings within your business that are relevant for your employees. And so part of that is who are your employees? What do they want from the work? I mean, aside from being a great carpenter or a great financial planner or a great restaurant worker, why here? Why work for you? And those are some of the questions that we ask our business owners when we're working with them is, what is it like to work for you? What is it like to work at this company? Because it's easy to see that there's a lot of choices out there and it's definitely the employee's choice, you know, where they want to work. And so you always want to have a place where they're choosing to be and they're choosing to stay. And some of those trends that you talked about that are coming up are really around that balance. How do I, as a business that doesn't necessarily have traditional office work where I could support a remote worker, for example, how do I transition to being flexible enough to attract new people, to attract people that are going to stay that are skilled? That's exactly what I was thinking. So I was thinking I hear a lot about the work-life balance. And when I hear that, I think, okay, that's an office job. Somebody sits at a computer. Maybe they work in IT. Maybe they work in a number of different areas where they sit at a desk that they could do from home. But a lot of our clients and a lot of the business owners that we work with are running a manufacturing line, managing a logistics warehouse, working in landscaping, jobs that make it a lot more difficult to do from home. I can't exactly phone that in. So how do you see those business owners adapting their way of doing business, their way of scheduling, their way of bringing people along in a schedule that allows them to have that balance. How do they do that? Well, part of it, I think, is how do you sort of let go of what you've traditionally known as, for example, your work week? Many of our construction clients are making decisions to have, for example, a four-day work week. They are finding that they can manage their contracts. They can shift teams if they need to. Someone might do a Monday through Thursday where another one does Tuesday through Friday. If there's weekend work required, you know that could be optional or, or overtime for an employee. 
but they're they're starting to think about it doesn't have to be anymore a Monday through Friday construction is generally like seven to four or six to three. You know, I can I can really look outside of the box and and it would also give me more flexibility if I had, you know, two teams that I'm able to sort of toggle between jobs versus trying to fit everybody into this box. So it's really just in many ways changing the business owner's thinking to how do I make this work? You know, work-life balance does not mean we give everybody what they need whenever they want it and we just deal with it. It means, you know, having intentional conversations with your employees about what they need and paying attention, I think is a big part of that too. One of the business owners that I worked with had told me that he realized, and probably no surprise here to our listeners, there were lots of people out sick on Mondays after football games. So he had had actually made an intentional decision that Mondays after football games, they had a late start or he just offered them ahead of time. How many of you want to take that day off and work the following Saturday instead? And so that's really where you're listening to your employees. You're paying attention. Whereas maybe 10 years ago, that same business owner would have said, you know, get in here, get here in here on Monday morning, get to work. No excuses. There's more tolerance, I guess I would say, um, for how to make this work. It makes me think of compromise. As a business owner, you're not going to give everything away. I mean, your business can't suffer as a result of the balance, but there are creative ways to problem solve with the employee. Whereas, as you mentioned in the past, it was my way or the highway. And that employer, that that business owner may just go out and find new employees. Now it's like, I've trained you, you're skilled, you're a great employee, but I know that there are some external factors that I need to consider when I am staffing up for my business. The other thing we saw going from 22 that I think is continuing into 23 with those same business owners is when they do have the opportunity for a key employee. And and what I mean by that is a hard to fill, unique skilled job like an internal bookkeeper or a controller, or in some cases, an office manager. Whereas 10 years ago, remote work was just really not on our radar. We saw a huge transition of our business clients having remote workers relocate to other states. So in lieu of, like you just said, I'm going to lose my bookkeeper of, of 10 to 15 years because her husband is relocating to Minnesota and I'm in Oregon, you know, what am I going to do? Instead of losing that person and starting over or trying to find someone in one of those skilled roles, they're allowing them to relocate, work remotely and, and be a full contributor to their business. It saves the business owner a tremendous amount of time and expense by doing that because we know that replacing an employee can cost up to 30% to 110% of their annual salary just to get a new person in there and train up on time. Yeah, and sometimes more, Lauren. It's funny you're bringing that up because the other thing we saw in 2022, some folks that are listening may know the term ghosting with regard to social media, yes, but it's also happening in employment. And so what would have cost a certain amount a couple years ago to replace an employee is sometimes exponential because you think you have a good candidate. You've gone through a, a huge process of, of interviewing and in some cases, even getting into the onboarding phase and that person just drops off the planet. You know, they're, they're no longer engaging. They don't start when they say they were going to start. We saw a lot of that in 2022. And I think that was a lot of employees just testing the waters. What kinds of jobs could I get? 
And then because they had such a choice, they would choose something else. And unfortunately, they didn't retain the professional skills to let employers know they weren't returning or they weren't coming in. So we saw a lot of what we called ghosting in the interview process. I read an interesting bit actually on that in this Gartner piece, and it was talking about the younger generation of workers. They spent a lot of time inside during COVID, and they lost a lot of the soft skills that I feel like contribute directly to that level of professionalism, that level of communication of making the employer aware. Now on the other side of that, for many, many years, on the employer side, there was a lack of communication to the candidate if they didn't get the role. It would just be silent. So it's an interesting twist for me to see that, but to think about the fact that they don't have those soft skills. Absolutely. And and one of the things that we're seeing for 2023 is also changing how we're evolving our employees. And what are we doing to increase their skill sets, give them development plans so that they can then become part of our succession plan? And that the ways in which we are doing that is changing. So we've become so much more tolerant of virtual training and virtual learning. It used to be, you know, you'd bring in the crew on a given day and you'd offer donuts and coffee and and you'd have a meeting in the warehouse before you head out, you know, on your jobs and take up, you know, two to three hours of non-productive time to do training and development or just to have basic communication meetings within a company. And what we're seeing with our businesses now is, is they're taking things remote, even their business practices, things like doing walkthroughs with a homeowner on a new home construction. Those used to be in person. Those are now done on tablets. And so we've just changed our whole way of, of looking at work and it's, filtering over into how we're developing our employees. Well, I think those technology platforms give so many opportunities to change the way that we've done things. I mean, that's amazing to walk through a new construction home and do a video tour over the tablet or have a, a learning management system that's based in the cloud online so that your employees can take the necessary trainings to increase their skill levels when it fits their schedule. Right. And for a business owner, there's nothing better than minimizing your non-revenue generating time. <laughs> that's that's been a big challenge for business owners for years is all of this quote downtime but it still you know still needs to happen these things still need to move forward you know we're also seeing things um, in 2023 I'm expecting to see more but we're already seeing this area and I know you and I have talked about this this diversity equity and inclusion initiatives yes that are very top of mind for large, corporations, and global companies. But for our small to medium-sized businesses, it's still showing up. And, and what we're seeing is particularly in the areas of disability and gender identity. And so I won't get too political here in terms of those implications or where it's happening, but what we're seeing is, is business owners are asking questions that they've never had to ask before of our teams. So they'll come to a BBSI HR professional and say, all right, you know, I've never had this occur before. I have an employee who is concerned that they're not being addressed properly. Well, what's interesting to me about that is that we had landmark lawsuits back in, I'm going to say the early nineties that were very similar that 
had to do with how we address people in the workplace. And one of the landmark cases was about a CEO that refused to call their employee by their given name because he found it too difficult to pronounce. Hmm. And so he gave that employee a nickname. And that was a landmark case decades ago. But here we are, you know, 2023, and we're having similar conversations, but they're just showing up slightly differently. So, you know, one is about gender awareness and really what does that mean and how do I make that happen or make sure my employees are tolerant in the workplace. And the other one is about disabilities, both physical and mental, that there's been lots of research done on how employees are not comfortable talking about their disabilities because they feel like it's, you know, it sets them apart. It doesn't give them the same opportunities. And so those are the kinds of conversations we have with small and medium business. So even though it's a bigger initiative, it's still occurring at even the smallest level. You brought up one that that came up a lot when I was speaking with Daryl Wagner, our senior VP of organizational development about benefit packages, and that's mental health. Mm -hmm. Mental health awareness has become a big issue these days and something that is important for all business owners to consider when managing employees. We're getting a lot of employees burning out, uh, a lot of employees feeling like they can't really be themselves at the office. And, And I think a lot of that is due to awareness around mental health issues and the comfort of that employee to be able to discuss those issues or to have services and support for those issues moving forward. Are you seeing that happening as well throughout the the small to medium-sized business owners? Absolutely. And particularly in the area of anxiety. The word anxiety is being used so much more frequently than it ever was in the workplace. Um, It used to be that anything regarding mental health was a secret, I I feel. I think sometimes there were employees that if it got bad enough and they needed something extreme, they needed a day off, would would have been extreme back in the day, they would share reluctantly what they had going on. But what we're seeing now is there's more conversation about it. There's more awareness. There's no fear of using the word anxiety. I, I have anxiety. Now, what I don't know at this stage, and I will probably never know, is if it's being overused, because that also can happen where if there becomes a a tolerance for something, we tend to use it a little more. So I'm not sure if it's a little bit of a cart before the horse or not here, but I'm definitely seeing the small to medium businesses being aware that it's happening more. What I'm not yet seeing is a full addressing it as an issue that they want to actually have a plan within their business. So I'm, I'm hoping that's something in the future that we will be assisting our clients with more and more as they become more comfortable talking about it. You know, I think at the very least, you've got a lot of health benefit plans these days that offer mental health support services as part of those benefits. And so if, if a business owner potentially is uncomfortable or concerned about abuse of, of using that, there are always those ancillary benefits that, that have mental health support and awareness. And I think it's important to think about that because you can lose employees, they can burn out, they can leave because you're not aware of what's going on and maybe they're afraid to speak out about it. And so if the business owner doesn't want to confront that, I know that there are some benefit plans that have somebody else that they can talk to, maybe an intermediary. Absolutely. So sometimes it's tied to your your health and welfare plan. And sometimes, like you said, it's an ancillary benefit where you can be referred to somebody. And it's interesting that you mentioned the mental health and talking about the days off. The other thing that 
we've seen in late 22, coming into 23, is in some areas of the country, some leave law expansions. So whether that's redefining bereavement leave, as an example, as a longer duration than what has normally been accepted. And, and I think that ties a little bit to mental health, too, in terms of how people grieve and what we know about grief and probably a lot of the loss that was experienced in 2021, 22 due to COVID. Again, there's more of an awareness about that. So, you know, we're seeing leave law expansion in regions, in cities, in states related to bereavement, sick pay, caring for sick people. I'm going to say it wasn't always children and family, but expanding that and a little more support federally for pregnant women, as an example. Yes, that's a big topic to lean into and discuss because now business owners need to adjust the way that they schedule and staff with the knowledge of the ability for the employees to be out for those things. It's something that owners need to consider because they need to make sure that they can keep the doors open. And if you have employees that are entitled to take that leave and be away, you've got to be prepared to staff accordingly to make sure the business continues. Well, and I think, too, where we come in as a service team for our businesses is just being able to help them navigate how that applies to them. I, I think a lot of times when legislation is publicized, and to your point, there's there's political spins on a lot of it, too, the business owner immediately goes to, oh, my gosh, this is something else I'm going to have to pay for. I'm going to have to you know, rework my whole work schedule and work group to tolerate and really what it comes down to is how, how does this apply to me in my business and how likely is this to occur? And just making sure that there's an awareness and then having a, a team to support you where it's a real discussion about your business, your risk, you know, what do you, what do you need to do about this and how can you solve this problem? You know, a lot of our business owners have, have networks that they utilize. They, there's a lot of small business owner to small business owner networking groups in communities. And a lot of times that's when the issue is raised is in other conversations that they're having. And then they bring it, you know, to their own business and say, well, what, you know, what am I going to do about that? So I think the idea that we can talk about it more and, and make it more relevant for every business is, is what's so important. It's not an overreaching, everybody has to do it this way in most cases. And I also think there's a deeper level. We're talking a lot about the business owner because a lot of our owners kind of do everything, right? They wear all the hats, but a lot of them have managers too that need specific training. I mean, a lot of the topics that we're talking about are new. And if you're, you know, a mid to low level manager, you are handling a lot more of those mental health issues, those leave issues, those, those new concerns that are coming up. And I don't know that those low to mid-level managers are getting the training they need to deal with those frontline employees. Absolutely. One of the other trends for 2023 is when you're bringing employees in on the front end, we're seeing a lot of legislation regarding pay equity, pay transparency, posting your jobs with complete transparency, not only with pay practices, but again, tapping back into that benefit piece. There are some states, some areas that are requiring any employer who's posting a job, that they have full disclosure about everything they're offering. And that's new. And so I think sometimes 
our business owners feel vulnerable because they're having to play all their cards, so to speak, at the beginning, you know, put everything out there and then manage it on the back end. So to your point, the doers, I mean, they're, they're doing it all the time at the full employee life cycle from the time they come in till the time they, they leave. And we've always said most business owners did not get into business to manage employees. That's usually not their main focus. It's usually, I want to run a plumbing company or I want, I just bought this paving company and I need to make it work. So having all the tools and resources available to you to help you navigate that is really critical. I think that there are a lot of trends that are emerging that we've never dealt with before. We've never looked at before. And a lot of the things that we've discussed today, I feel like kind of got swept under the rug in the past. It was things that, you know, when you're running that business, you just ignore, hope you don't have to deal with. And by putting those things sort of on the back burner, they eventually come to a head and they flare up and that can have tremendous impact, negative impact on the business. Well, yeah, you know, there's there's these little things too that, and I say little, it's because it's not little, it's a, a federal now in terms of your employment application. I mean, there's just so many details with regard to employees and how you navigate that whole life cycle. And there's now, I don't know if you've heard the term ban the box, but there's now a federal mandate that on the front end, when, when you are asking folks to apply for your position, you cannot ask them about their criminal history. Whoa. That's a huge change. I mean, some of our states have had that for a long time and some cities as well, but it's now a federal mandate that you don't ask about criminal history. And the thinking there and the philosophy and the legislation and the politics was all about giving everybody the opportunity without that being part of the consideration. Now, that's not to say that businesses can't make decisions regarding employment and keep criminal history in mind once they've gone through the employment process. So, you know, job offers can be contingent on those kinds of things, but it's giving them the opportunity on the front end so that employees are not disregarded because of that particular checkbox. I think that's really interesting. You're taking away any bias that can exist. And of course, if that's going to come up, it would still come up in a background check. So it's not like you're not going to find that out. Absolutely. But you may find a fantastic employee and you get all the way through. And that may be a conversation that you have once you've gotten through a lot of those hiring gates with that employee about their past. But until that point, you know, you may have a, a tremendously skilled employee That was another trend that I looked at this year, and it was all about looking past traditional candidates, looking at non-traditional candidates to to fill the talent pipelines because people are so picky these days. I always say you hire for talent, and then you can always teach whatever the industry is. And and I'm a perfect example. I mean, I've worked in, in beer and seafood and now the professional employment industry. The constant for me has always been that I always knew marketing. And so when I look to hire, I'm thinking about the skills that that employee possesses holistically as a person versus did they work in this specific industry before? And if they didn't, I can't even consider them. Absolutely. And I think to your point, that's where the businesses that we work with have made some pretty innovative decisions about looking for those soft skills and being willing to train. And so in their, in their words, they would say they have an apprentice program in some of our construction industries or manufacturing, where they're bringing in younger, less skilled employees and teaching them their way of how they build a home or how they manufacture those plastic bags or 
you know, their plumbing strategies. And they're finding that particularly in the cases where they're intentionally targeting the right skills, they're getting really great workers. I also have a couple of examples of businesses that I had worked with where by doing that and seeing it all the way through, in two cases, they found their their successor. They sold their business to one of their employees that they had mentored throughout a period of years. And in both cases, we are now working with that new owner that has grown up in the business and been mentored by the previous owner. So it's a great succession plan as well. That is amazing. I think succession plans is one of the other trends that we haven't yet hit on today. And I think the pandemic exposed, as you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, the lack of succession plans that a lot of business owners have and the fact that when these major events happen, they can change course quickly and not have anybody kind of in the reserve to take over the business. And they're all of a sudden caught flat-footed and that can become quite a crisis. Absolutely. And it's it's funny you say that because I, I think about a client that that I worked with where she was the third generation owner of a glass company. So this would be glaciers, um, union glaciers that install glass commercially. And when we talked about succession planning, she said to me, when I die, they'll figure it out. That's what I had to do. Oh, gosh. And that was her plan. <laughs> so that's on one end of the spectrum. But we have many businesses that are intentionally engaging with us on succession planning and working on, you know, what, what do they need to do to sort of get their business in order so that it is as valuable with them as it is without them. That's the key. Um, if they could do that and identify a new owner, they can transition in any way they want to. They can sell, they can, they can stay in the business and just let somebody else run it. But most of them are saying they just want some time back. They want to spend time with their family. So they're not doing everything and feel like they're on 24-7. I have a very close friend who he worked in, in a, at a mill, a, a big timber mill. And he worked in their sharpening room, keeping all their blades and, and cutting edges sharp. And they had outsourced to a very small company, a guy owned his business, doing sharpening the blades and the cutting heads that they couldn't do on site. And he ended up actually leaving the mill and taking over that business because the guy who owned the sharpening business, his kids ended up not wanting to take it. And he wanted time to spend with his family and to be able to do all the fun things that he had sort of worked his career for and was struggling to find somebody. And he, he approached my good friend and he ended up leaving that mill and taking over the business. And it's been tremendously successful for him. And I was always impressed by that creativity of, of really finding somebody because otherwise he would have just closed the doors and that would have been that. And that would have been a shame. You know, it's funny you say that because we did see um, another trend in the last few years. I mean, it's been more than two years, I'd say five to seven with that, what we would call the legacy transition plan. So the family, you know, the multi-generational business no longer having a succession plan. And we were seeing it mostly by the time they got to the fourth generation that a lot of times the children of the owners were just not interested. They were being educated in different ways. They were going to college. They were learning you know, a lot of technical skills or other kinds of industries, and they just weren't interested. And so that really kind of forced the conversation as well, to your point. The business owners are having to say, well, what am I going to do then? Because I built this legacy. It's, you know, it's three generations. I had one owner say to me, I can't do anything with this business while my dad is still living because 
he built this. You know, it's, it's, it's emotional. This is our family name is on the door and we want to make sure this continues. And so those are some of those, when I said they were making tough decisions, it was how do I do this and how do I do it strategically so that I'm meeting the needs of my legacy, but I'm also not just shutting the doors and giving up or, or you know, quitting in their words. It's a fine line to manage, especially if there's that that legacy and that emotional connection to the business. Sure. So, Terry, we've talked a lot of different trends today and, and things that are on the outlook for 2023. And, and for our owners out there that are thinking that those resonate with them, but they need some support, they need some help, where, where can they go for that? Yeah, I love that you asked that question because when we talk to businesses, as I mentioned, they have their networks of other professionals that are also business owners and they talk among themselves. But what's really missing there is that customized approach to what's right for you and your business. Business owners build a culture based on their belief system, their politics, their family, their community, and what's right for one person may not be right for the next. And so I think that's really the beauty of the BBSI team is we customize the approach. It's it's all about the business owner's plan. It's not our plan for them. We don't have a cookie cutter approach where we say, okay, business owner, you you want to transition out of your business. Here's what you have to do. Here's the 10-step process. It's how do you want to do this? What are you working with? Who do you have in your business? Can you identify somebody internally? And so customizing that approach is what our team of professionals does. That's what we do best. So I think reaching out to BBSI in your local community and at least having a conversation with us to talk about how we do that and and whether that makes sense for you. I love it, Terry. Thank you so much for sharing all your insights, the examples of the clients that you have with us today. I think that this was just a tremendous episode for business owners out there thinking that, you know, 2023 can be an uncertain year, but there are things that you can do to at least shore up some of those risks, mitigate them in some way and be successful. To all our business owners out there, thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're looking for more resources to support your business, visit our website at bbsi.com and subscribe to our monthly business owner newsletter, the BBSI Insider. We'd also love it if you'd subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss out on the latest insights from our BBSI business professionals.